the fire. As Christians, we got to decide. We got to decide whether we're going to be people who honor the teachings and moral directions of the Bible, the wisdom from God, or not. Are the Ten Commandments authoritative in our lives or not? And are they defensible, not merely in our lives, but in the culture at large or not? I think the issue today is between people who believe that there are moral teachings that bind us to a higher authority versus people who think that they are the final say in moral things of their lives, period, and they would love to have courts legislate the other view out of business. Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke of the cultural confusions of the world today. Talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. <laughs> you know, that, that intro always makes me smile and giggle. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it does make I just you love it. I love it. So hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Through the Fire, where we try to make sense of what's going on in our culture, to be prepared, forewarned, and forearmed, to engage things from a moral, biblical uh, you perspective. Know, I like how you said that because you said that the other day, too, and I said, you know, use that for the intro. I like prepared, forewarned, and forearmed because, you know, God's Word, it, it's still without equal in diagnosing the issues that are out there today providing lasting solutions and, and because there are deep needs that human beings have and the Word of God is equal to the task. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So thank you for saying that. I, I think welcome. sometimes I have brilliant thoughts. <laughs> well, it was a good one. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We, yes. Thank you. So, you know, really, though, I do think that's what we're trying to do here, you know, for our listeners. And we do this for ourselves because, mm -hmm. you know, I hear a lot of fear still out there today. You know, people, me included, mm -hmm. that are still trying very hard to be our very best, trying not to be, you know, overcome by our own worst tendencies and trying to be good neighbors and friends the way that God cares and loves loves us. Right. But, you know, hey, the cultural headwinds are real, man. They are real. There's a real war against the basic teachings of the Ten Commandments and the Bible's fundamental teachings about morality, family, church, and government, you name it. I mean, yeah. we're going to talk about some of that today. And I know you get to see all of that in the time that, in, that you're spending in your work and as an advocate for the church in Washington, D.C. Yeah, whether I like it or not, you know, in terms of seeing it. Um, right. yeah. So I think, you know, Marie, you got your finger right on the pulse. Uh, and it is what I see on a daily basis in my work in D.C. And it's kind of scary to think about the fact that that moral differences, you know, and people have always had moral differences, conscience differences. They're now not just personal issues. They're, they're political, legal mm -hmm. issues of our time. And even worse, some of these issues, which used to be resolved by churches, families, communities, or just people in loving dialogue with each other and for each other, they're bypassing the, the constitutional legislative process and are being decided now by nine people in black robes. Right. You know, f for example, this last month, that was kind of good news and bad news. The Supreme Court. Well, you better Court, say who the black robes are. Because... Well, you know, black, the Supreme Court people. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of how I think they're talked about in the culture. But OK, you know, the Supreme Court folks, there was actually some good news, mm -hmm. but it also had bad news within it. It was on the decision of Fulton versus Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners, can you briefly describe what that is, the Fulton versus Philadelphia case and yeah, what, it, was, what well, it was about? Yeah, it was a case where two foster moms, Sharon L. and Tony, two single women of, of color, worked with Catholic social services to provide loving homes for kids in need. I mean, mm -hmm. simple stuff, great stuff. Yeah. And the city of Philadelphia sought to shut it down. 
Um, you know, if people want to know more about this case, they can, I wrote an op-ed on this, uh, and, and I think we can put that up in Family Vision Media, so we'll find out mm-hmm. uh, their website. But anyway, last month in a 9-0 ruling, which, you know, pretty powerful, right? Yeah. Against the city of Philadelphia, the court said that the Catholic foster care organization could keep helping needy children. Good. Despite their horrendous teaching. Even some label it a crime now. And that's the question. What was the supposed crime? What caused this thing? Well, it's the fact that the Catholic foster care organization believes and teaches that marriage is between a man and a woman for life and that placing children in families with fathers and mothers is ultimately what's best for them. That's it. They don't say that other people can't do it differently. That's just how they do it. So now the basic teachings of the Bible are not only suspect in culture, they're being litigated out of business. And nine people in black robes could fundamentally change everything in a heartbeat. And I think that's incredible. Uh, potentially horrendous teaching, huh? Yeah. That's what they call it. Okay, well, that's, mm-hmm. that is incredible. I mean, we strongly here defend the right of people to speak their minds. You know, mm-hmm. But if anyone wants to be heard... The communication should be done with an honoring spirit towards others. Right. And particularly if you're a Christian, the communication should carry a sense of humility because, you know, we have our own faults, right? And right. so join that with a sense of faithfulness to God. And I mean, that's always been our perspective, right? Right. Humility, faithfulness, and we're trying to actually love the person in front of us. Yeah, not, but people don't always see it that way, well, right? Well, I know that. And, and sometimes we fall short in that. So that's why it's important to keep this in mind and, the, you know, that the moral teachings of, of the Bible are foundational to who and what we are as, you know, as Christians of the great creator. Right. So, I mean, listen, in our communication, people sometimes are afraid to engage in controversial discussions and dialogues, especially with the younger, more expressive generation today. Mm-hmm. But we needn't be if we align our behavior, verbal and physical, you know, with our foundational truths of God's word for the sake of others. And we don't need to have to argue or feel the need to have to argue or raise our voices or or fear the response. We don't need to rely on our own opinions to sway or influence. Mm-hmm. God's words and definitions about judgment, mercy, and grace doesn't change because of the culture. It isn't influenced by the culture. Yeah, right? you know, I, I, and I agree with that. And I think, you know, we, we just got to understand we're also going to be caricatured too, even if we do our oh, very, we very are. best. Oh, we are, absolutely. Right? But listen, keep this in mind. Unless a person is a psychopath, <laughs> okay. Right? Okay. we all have, you know, they have an internal moral compass. Right. So even if they debate you or raise their voice or get angry, they they can hear and, and their conscience hears and, and can react even if it's not and, and respond and, 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 it, and it can have an impact, right. even if it's not immediately seen. Well, I, I love what you said there. You know, so issues of conscience, that's what we're talking about today. Issues of moral truth and discipline. These are things that our country finally uh, said in the First Amendment. These should be dialogued in freedom. They're, they're best left to the motivations that come from people's hearts motivated from God's grace or his providence with an obedience to a moral authority higher than themselves, obedience to his word. And and we're not to judge uh, these fundamental things by the whims of culture or enforced by government, and surely not nine people on the judiciary. So I was just thinking, you know, the book of Judges, um, you know, we've talked about this before. In in the Old Testament, it talked about a time when everyone was doing what was right Mm -hmm. in their own eyes. they, They were the source of authority in their life. And the solutions to that chaotic period were not judges who sided with the ones who did what was right in their own eyes. In their own eyes. You know, they were those who honored the fundamental moral teachings of God, the God who created and redeemed the world. And then, of course, then tried to live according to those teachings for others. Yeah. And that's what was on trial in the Fulton case, right? I think so. Yeah, I really do. So 
could we still say, you know, maybe hooray for a Supreme Court that actually did <laughs> this positive, constitutional duty? Yeah, yeah. and defund it. I, I mean, I mean, defend it. I'm saying defund because I'm going to defund the <laughs> police. That's another all issue. Over. That's another issue, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we could say hooray for a Supreme Court decision that actually did its constitutional duty and defended the First Amendment mm-hmm. rather than creating new legislation out of thin air, as we've seen. Yeah, and, and we could indeed. And so, you know, again, thanks for reminding me uh, to celebrate. <laughs> Sometimes I forget this in my work in D.C. There's not a whole lot of celebrating going on. Um, but to celebrate when, rather than dwell on what we didn't get done in this ruling. Right. Sometimes I do have to remind you of that, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's good to think dialectically. Well, thank you for the dialectic uh, response. <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm glad you reminded me, rightly so. But my pessimism, though, in this regard is that we still have let these issues become Supreme Court issues when they never should have been that. They always should be conscience issues mm-hmm. where people can civilly agree to disagree. So, yeah. You know, let me say this clearly, as my wife reminds me often, uh, (laughs) the true victories, they they don't come from government. They don't come from legislation, even from Supreme Court rulings, even when they are in our favor. They come from a faith relationship to God and Christ, period. So um, even amidst the issue of fighting for these issues to remain conscience issues, remember, even if we win that fight, uh, Mm -hmm. there's another message that finally is the only message that lasts. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Okay. So in the spirit of celebrating small victories. Okay, we'll do that. How have we gotten (laughs) to the point where the Supreme Court is deciding fundamental issues that should be left to our consciences, specifically our First Amendment uh, freedoms. Yeah, and I think that is the issue. So I don't want to overly dramatize this. And again, this is kind of a, this is stuff I deal with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But we have let things get to this place, and it's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Nine nine victory notwithstanding. And I know that sounds dramatic, but I don't mean it to be. But if you think about it this way, uh, here's what's going on: when the Supreme Court starts redefining things like marriage or legislating right. conscience issues from the bench, all citizens' rights before the law are in peril. So. As I say in my work in D.C., the job of the Supreme Court is to say whether something's constitutional or not. That's it. Mm-hmm. Legislators legislate. That's how representative government works, and that's how your freedoms are protected. If the court starts legislating from the bench, you can be sure someone's constitutional rights and freedoms are being compromised. And, and that's terrible news for everyone. Yeah. So are you saying that the main problem here then is that the Supreme Court is overstepping its authority in all of these things and should mind... It's constitutional versus unconstitutional business for the sake of us all? I, I think so. I think it's a great question. It's a way to say it. Uh, mm. Would you like to take over my job in D.C.? <laughs> <laughs> well, well oh, no. how much? <laughs> yeah, a little, little here, a little there. But I do think that's it. You know, That's really what we're talking about. Even in this ruling, they didn't take up the real issue that's still going to come back uh, to bite us because it's still going to be a conscience decision someday. So mm-hmm. I think there are always going to be moral differences among 330 million people, and some issues are best left to communities, to churches, and people of conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, and not merely the conscience of, I'll do whatever I want, but I'll try to do what's right for me and for others' consciences types. So as Christians, we got to decide. You know, maybe for the first time in our history, we got to decide whether we're going to be people who honor the teachings and moral directions of the Bible, the mm-hmm. wisdom from God, or not. Are the Ten Commandments authoritative in our lives or not? Mm-hmm. And are they defensible, not merely in our lives, but in the culture at large or not? And so I think the issue today is between people who believe that and believe that there are moral teachings that bind us to a higher authority versus people who think that they are the final say in moral things (laughs) of their lives, period, and they would love to have courts legislate the other view out of business. Mm -hmm. 
So what you're saying is that one side is also litigating the other side out of society, right? Yeah, and I think that's what that's what I'm saying. That the potential in this last ruling for that to happen is still there, even though it was a nine-hour ruling. So, mm-hmm. again, I just think if you really are a person, even if you disagree with you know our perspective on a lot of these issues, I, I think when you start to see the court doing this, it's bad for everyone. And so when you counsel people uh, to learn to love each other, it's the others that can challenge us and bring out the best in us who have, even though they have a different opinion, and we need to let those be in healthy dialogues with, with one another. So I think it would be unhealthy even in our personal lives to always shut down that which challenges us. Um, you know, and, and I mean, don't you think? I mean, that's in the kind of work you do. Well, absolutely. You're always I mean, helping people deal with people who are different than them. Absolutely, and you should actually engage uh, the conversation when there are differences, because that's whenever you gain other perspectives, you start to practice dialectical thinking and appreciation for other ways of doing things, even if you disagree. You know, having an understanding, it's really important. And, you know, that's what healthy relationships are all about. And sometimes, actually, the other person can save us from ourselves. (laughs) Things we can't (laughs) even see. Well, nobody even thinks like that anymore. They think But it's so true. I I, I mean, you've said that to me before. Let me save you from yourself. (laughs) My sister says that to me. Can you let me pre-read that letter before you dash it off? Can you imagine me getting away with that conversation in our relationship? (laughs) But I have. (laughs) Because I love her. (laughs) But you'll love me more tomorrow. That's what you always say. Exactly. I know. Exactly. I'm just so lovable. But um, so anyway, but I think that that's really important that we keep that in mind that, mm-hmm. you know, to have disagreements is not always a bad thing. And and again, legislating the other viewpoint of, of conscience out of our lives is a terrible, terrible thing for everybody. Yeah. So and, and then again, I want to remind people that, you know, we, we want to go deeper with you on these topics. And if you want to dialogue with us um, or get some content on how to start having conversations or what to do or what this is even more about, you can look at Greg's website uh, on his work in Washington, D.C. Uh, the website is, go ahead, tell them. LCRLfreedom.org. LCRLfreedom.org. And we do try to teach you how to be able to dialogue these issues uh, with people with whom you disagree so that both of you at the end can say, well, I really appreciated that that conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So while being thankful that for once the Supreme Court did its work. And it was a good, in that sense, it was a healthy ruling for us. It was good. Yeah. By staying out of the conscious uh, conscious issues. Conscience issues, <laughs> Con- conscious and conscience. Conscience of I'm the I'm having a difficult issues. time today. Anyway, conscience issues and supporting Catholic social services right and responsibility to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to go further and make sure that these kinds of issues, moral, ethical, relational, are kept in their proper place of conscious thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Dialogues, um, the place where families, friends, and churches surround the discussion. Not politics, not legislation, not courts. And that's my concern, and that's the concern uh, of our work in Washington. When the Fulton case was decided for 9-0 for religious liberty, it left a fundamental issue on the table, and that was still can people of conscience disagree uh, with the culture's views of marriage, living together, sexual libertinism, or must we agree with all those things, um, and, and not only to tolerate them, but to agree with them wholeheartedly. And so that's the issue, and, and those making an, event, an issue of this, uh, they want the court to decide for 330 million people, uh, they want nine people to decide that for all of us. So that's a huge problem. It's a breakdown of the system because that's what the First Amendment protections were all about, to protect religious liberty, the right of conscience, the right of assembly to worship God as safeguards mm-hmm. for everybody's freedom so and for all freedoms. So, you know, the liberty 
to discipline, to teach, and to follow the rules of the Bible were motivations for virtue, self-sacrifice, treating others as God treats you. And so it's exactly the opposite of dragging people of conscience to court, putting mm-hmm. them out of business, mm-hmm. humiliating them just because they disagree with your view on these things. Right. So, I mean, that's really what the issue is all about, and the Supreme Court kind of punted that part of the decision. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, coercion, and in this case, legal coercion. You know, like I was saying earlier, it doesn't promote openness and honesty. Mm-hmm. It doesn't promote tolerance and understanding. It actually stifles real, loving dissent, and it stifles real healing. Yeah, and I love how you point that out whenever we as Christians are trying to say it's loving dissent. You know, uh, maybe we've got to even do harder, better job of reflecting that. But we're trying to be faithful to the God who created and redeemed humanity out of love. Mm -hmm. You know, his law and his good news of forgiveness are all loving words. And so even when he says no, it's for our benefit. His no always leads to his yes, and that's good for all of us. But like, you know, you said earlier about sometimes we need to be saved from ourselves. You know, <laughs> our yeses don't always do that. Um, so, again, all we're saying is wouldn't you want a loving voice like that in your life even at times uh, when they disagree with you? Uh, and I think that's kind of all we're saying about this. Mm-hmm. Of course. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what our families and our church families are, are to be about. Mm-hmm. They are to be loving reflections of love and conscience in our lives. Mm -hmm. For those of you who may not have had moms and dads who did this for you, maybe it was a pastor or a priest or maybe a friend or a coach, a sport coach, someone who reflected God's moral truths to you and love, spirit, and mercy. I mean, that's priceless. And if you've never had that, I I really invite you to seek out a, a house of worship and and there will be people there that can do, mo- model this for you and be that support for you. Yeah, and that's the better place to look. That's my argument. You're making that, that's the point of this through the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, how have we let these kind of issues become political when they should have always been between family, friends, church members? And again, like you talked about, a loving dialogue mm-hmm. of conscience where you're really trying to bless the other person, even if you're in disagreement on some of these issues. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe one great way to make that point is to start living that way again. That's I mean, a good point. Right? Mm-hmm. Rather than denigrating people of age, venerate them. Mm-hmm. Let's look to grandmothers and grandfathers for the wisdom that not only comes from age, but from trying to live loving, moral, faithful lives to God and to family. Mm-hmm. I mean, they may not have always lived moral, faithful <laughs> lives, but they have lessons there that they can share. Yeah. And, you know, let's start probing that wisdom of the Bible again to get our moral balance and the struggles of life in general. Let's start looking to each other to engage and solve these problems first and foremost. And only to the government and legal types is a last resort, right? That's the point. Yeah, taking responsibility for these dialogues is key to growing up and becoming the adults that our culture needs. Yeah. We certainly don't need a responsible, opinionated, larger <laughs> children. And I kind of see that happening a lot today. Well, and, and again, you know, we're a youth-based culture, and sometimes that's what gets in our way for sure. So I, I like what you said. Let's, you know, get to it with a get-to-it type of attitude, no matter what our culture does. Let's try to live moral, ethical lives. Um, and Christians need to realize that we're going to have to take our faith life more seriously than ever before if we're going to give our children and our grandchildren a culture in which they can worship and follow God without fear. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, recapping what you were saying, being humble yet clear mouthpieces of God's Word, mm-hmm. you know, sharing the good news may be harder and harder in the future, but our families, our neighbors, they need God's wisdom and grace now mm-hmm. more than ever, I think. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like you wanted to say something else amidst the call to action. <laughs> so let it out, let honey. It out. So, now, she never 
never says this to me. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> you sounded like you wanted so, to say something more. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> usually it's like, okay, that's enough. Hand goes up. Please, hands get shaken side to side. Well, no, I, again, I, I do think that Christians need to commit all of this to prayer like never before. I mean, we need to pray for these nine justices. I really do. You know, they need to realize their place. They have an important role, but they're not yeah. to be the conscience of 330 million people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the keepers of the constitutional protections of all those 330 million people. And that's it. That's enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest needs to be solved by free people in their families, their churches, their neighborhoods. And again, like you just said before, government's the last place, even out of place for those kinds of issues. So pray hard. Yeah, I like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think we do need to pray for them mm-hmm. um, and remember that they're the keepers of the constitutional protections. Yeah, n- they not don't... the moral yeah. uh, conscience. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. So let's just keep in mind that we can right now celebrate the 9-0 victory of the Fulton, um, right, as a court, <laughs> right, the case, yeah. and that uh, that got the religious liberty issue right to a certain degree, right. even as we pray that they understand that they are not the final arbiters of conscience issues in our culture. Um, they may be the referees to the dialogue, but not the solution makers. Yeah, I like that. I mm-hmm. like that. Pretty good. And like you said, we need to be about the business of living our Christian lives as faithful as we can to God's moral direction, all empowered by his grace and mercy. So don't sit back and wait for the culture to accept or reject uh, what we're talking about concerning our willingness to live faithful lives to God in loving action towards those very same people. Yeah, and that means looking to church, to family, and to friends and community first to take on these issues. And when we can agree on these things, and there's going to be disagreement too because libertinism, you know, is a direct challenge to God's moral authority, we need to foster a culture, you know, that learns to honor others even when we disagree at the fundamental levels. Right. I mean, that's a challenge, right? But it's also an even greater opportunity. And what a time to show, I, I agree, what a time to show there's a God who loves us all, who whose wisdom, though, cuts also through all of our confusion and calls us to be human beings, Mm -hmm. that the human beings he created Mm -hmm. and and redeemed for us to be. So that's that's what it's all about. I agree. So remember, little embers, there are two kinds of fire in the world. The one that burns and consumes. And the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till next time, little embers, (laughs) I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. See See you you soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media, familyvisionmedia.org.